Okay, we're learning Daf Ayin Gimel. Uh, we're starting three lines down from the bottom. Bay Rami Bar Chama. So this is a direct continuation of yesterday. Yesterday, we're looking at the Pasuk, which says that the husband, the father, annul the wife slash daughters, the Dharam. At what point? Bishama Isha, when the husband hears about it. What does hearing about a nether mean? It doesn't just mean like, you know, it's rumor that she made a nether. To hear about the nether means you know what the nether is. Like, that's the concept. It's like, you hear about it, it's related to you in some way, your, it goes into your ears. Very literal. And the Gemara wanted to know yesterday, is that specific? Is that a precondition? Is that some sort of prerequisite that you don't have the ability to be made for? You can't annul it unless you heard about it. Or do we say no? Hashem's just saying what happens normally. Normally, why would a person annul something that they didn't hear about? But if a person would like to kind of like, uh, just, just in case, you know, just in case there's any Nadarim, I'll be made for them. But even without hearing about them, you could also do that. So we debated that back and forth yesterday. We didn't come to a conclusion necessarily. We tried to bring proofs from the Mishnah. We didn't come to a conclusion. So today, the Gemara is going to piggyback on yesterday's question. What about a deaf person? A person who's deaf, so we're assuming he cannot hear. So if he cannot hear, so then, we're, again, he has das. It's not like he cannot speak. It's not like we're talking about someone who's, you know, when we talk about hair who's totally incapacitated. We're not talking about someone like that. We're talking about someone who just can't hear. So he's unable to hear, but, but there's definitely das. He's able to communicate so on and so, forth, and so forth. So the question is, could he hear about it? So, so obviously he can't hear about it literally, but could he be made for could he revoke a wife for his, for, 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 revoke the nether for his wife? So, and the, the only way we can get this question out is if we take the side in the debate yesterday and we come out that a husband can be made for without hearing only on that possibility, meaning if we would take the side that you, that you need to hear about it, then what kind of question are we going to ask today? Could a cheirish do it? Of course he can't. He's no better than a husband who didn't hear. He didn't hear, right? There would be no question. It would be a moot point. But rather, we're saying if you're going to grab the tzad, that a husband could be made for without hearing, I'll tell you as follows. Maybe that's only okay because he's at least able. He's capable of hearing it. Meaning he didn't actually hear it, but he's capable. So the Pasuk says that a husband hears about it. It's not like the Torah made up hearing about it and hearing about it doesn't matter. The Torah is saying he has to at least be capable of hearing about it. who's completely unable to hear about it. So then he won't be able to do it. And the Gemara, just to show us that it's a sense of paradox. Do we care about hearing? Do we not care about hearing? What are we coming out? We're saying it depends. If the, as long as the person is capable of hearing, then it doesn't matter if he actually hears it. He can be made for the net without hearing about it. But if the person is incapable of hearing, he's the cheresh. Oh, so then we're going to say no. The fact that he didn't hear about it means that he can't be made for the nether. How does that make any sense? So the Gemara says, Hi, Nidra Rabzeira. You're going to explain it based upon Rabzeira. Dama Rabzeira, This is a very famous rule. It's from the Mishnah in Menachas. Let's go over what Rabzeira's rule is. The Mishnah in Menachas is talking about when a person brings a mincha, a flower offering. So it has flour and it has oil. So the Pasuk says that the Kohen should mix them together. In other words, you don't just pour them together. You don't just do Yitzika. But after the Yitzika, there's Belila, where you mix them together. It becomes mixed in, like in a normal proportion. So the Mishnah comes along and says that if you bring a disproportionate amount of flour to the oil that's there, let's say you bring so much flour, over 60 Yitzronas of flour, where, and still only one lug of oil. So now, at that point, it's not really a mixable thing. In other words, by def- you what does it mean to mix something? Obviously, I mean you could pour something in the tiniest degree. If I pour one little bit of water in a huge, in a huge, in a huge uh, container of flour, that I mix it. It's not mixable unless there's enough of both that I can then do an action of mixing them together. So if it becomes so disproportionate, there's sixty more than sixty asronos of flour and still only one lug of oil. So the Mishnah says the mincha is no good. The mincha is not kosher. 
Why? Because you can't do Bila. Right? You got to be able to do Bila. So the Quran says, what do you mean you got to be able to do Bila? We bring proof. This is always the big law in Kachim, that anything that the Torah only says once but doesn't repeat is not essential. And if you skip it, you're still Yodzei the Karban. So Bila is one of those things. If the Kohen, let's say, had all the right ingredients, he poured them all together, but he doesn't actually mix it, the Mincha together, the Mincha is still Kasha. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. On the one hand, you tell me if the mincha is more than 60 is thrown out, so where it's incapable of being, of being mixed, it's not kosher. On the other hand, the rule is that you don't actually have to mix. So how, do we, how does this make any sense? So Reb Zeir explained it in the following way. Reb Zeir said, Call the royal If the mincha is at least able to be mixed, then it's not essential whether or not it's actually mixed. It is mixed, it's not mixed, it's not a problem. Either way, it's fine, it could be mixed. But if I have a mincha, which is not fit to be mixed, then the mixing is critical then we say the fact that it's not able to be mixed is a big problem. Now, how do we understand Rav Zeres' rule? Like, also, ultimately, it's a very interesting thing. If it, it needs to be capable of mixing, but I don't care that the mixing matters. So, the, the Rishonim seems to say an explanation of Rav Zera, which if we try to put over here to Cheresh, might not be so easy, because the Gemara is applying the same thing Cheresh. The Gemara is saying, you don't actually have to hear about the Nether. But Hashem said you hear about the Nether only as a way of saying someone who's incapable of hearing it is no good. So you don't actually have to hear about it, but you have to be capable of hearing about it. So the Rishonim explained over there that Bila is a mitzvah, right? Bila is the ideal, even though we say it's not ma'akev, but everyone agrees it's a mitzvah, it's what's meant to be done. So what the Torah is saying is that when you bring a mincha, this is the intended avodah. Now, not everything that's intended to happen, if it doesn't happen, means it's ma'akev. We understand that concept. But if I bring a mincha that is incapable of fulfilling its mitzvahs, then that can't be a good mincha. Meaning the fact that there is a mitzvah of Bila reflects that the, what is a mincha? A mincha is the entity of a certain proportion of flour and oil that is meant to be mixed. So if it's something which cannot be mixed, you know that's not the right mincha. It's not about whether now practically you mix. It's about realizing if the Torah says mix a mincha, then a mincha is something which can be mixed. Fine, that makes a lot of sense, that definition working over there. Over here, it doesn't really make sense because is there anything we strive to? Is it ideal for the husband to hear the nether? What would you say? Is there any point in the husband hearing the nether? No, it's not like it's like a lachatchila and like a b'dyeved. If he heard about it or he didn't hear about it. Basically, Hashem said in the pasuk, v'shama isha, and we're saying the Torah spoke, the narrative spoke as if that's, because that's normally what happens, but it's not an essential point. Meaning, it's not that it's ideal, it's not better, it's just the normal way of speaking. So if it's just the normal way of speaking, so then why do we say that if you're a cheresh and you can't hear at all, then suddenly we say the shmiyaz ma'akiv. It's a little hard. It's hard to put the, the mushal and the nimshal here together. By, by the bilah, the concept is the fact that there is a mitzvah of bilah, even if the mitzvah is not ma'akiv, but the mitzvah reflects that a mincha is something capable of having bilah. Here, what am I saying? Hashem said v'shama isha. Shama isha is just part of the narrative, the way that normally happens. But it's not a din v'shama isha. There's no din. So if there's no din, why do I care if it's capable of happening? Very hard to understand how the, the, the logic and why a cheir should be excluded. But that's what the Gemara is trying to say on this end. But perhaps what, I'm, what about I just said and presented, I'm bothered by, is the exact next six words in the Gemara. Or maybe the words in the Torah that her husband hears are just not important. Meaning the other tzadiyas, you don't apply Reb over here because the whole idea is that it's just the normal description of the narrative. There is no din of Shmiah. And if there's no din of Shmiah, then I don't care at all whether or not the husband is capable of hearing and let him be a cherish. As long as he is able to communicate that he doesn't want the nether, then it should be an alt. So how do we resolve? Amar Rabbah Tashma, the b'risa says, v'shama isha, we have a price that actually makes the trasha that we just said. It says in the Torah, and her husband hears it. What does it mean hearing? What is the point of that? It excludes the wife of a deaf person. So we say, interestingly enough, we're coming out, even though Shmiah itself is not necessarily a ma'akev, but the ability to hear is a ma'akev. Okay.
Moving forward. Ibailo, a new question. Could a husband be made for to two wives in, this, in the same moment? So what exactly is the case? So it seems that, yeah, guy obviously he's married to two different women and both of them have Nadar. But he wants to say a Lashon to both of them that encompasses two Afars. He's saying the, the, your, your collective vows are annulled. So the point is he's, 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 he's doing two Afars in one. Now, obviously, he's not doing it in two separate statements. The whole point is that he's combining the two Maisafars, the two declarations, into one bigger statement. And he's saying, your collective Afars, your collective Nadarim should be bottle. And we want to know, does that work? Why would we say it wouldn't? Like, well, who cares? Why can't you do it simultaneously? So the Gemara tells us that what we're looking at is a certain text. The Pasuk says, Osa. So the Lushan of the Pasuk, Osa, it's saying that he, 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 when it's talking about what the husband is doing here to the wife, he's revoking her vow, right? It's her, it's, it's her thing. So the Lashon Osa sounds specific, meaning only her, but not her and the other co-wife. Oh, Lavdafka, or do we say it's not meant to be specific here? It's not saying her just be, as a way of excluding another co-wife from having Afar at the same, in the same Isa, but rather it's just saying Osa because there is a wife, like that's just the grammar of the Pasuk. So the Gemara is trying to figure out whether we have a Drasha. Amar Avino Tashima, let's see from a Brisa. The Brisa is talking about a Sota. Sota, the husband suspects that maybe she's committed adultery. His Kino and Stira, he brings her up to the base of Mikdash to have her drink the water. So the Brisa says, Ein mashkin sotos ka'achas. The Kohen who's administered to give over the, the, the waters, he doesn't give two waters to two Sotos at the same exact time. Why is that? Because a person's heart, like their, 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 their ego, it's very hard for her to, to, to not be impacted by the fact that someone else is there. So what exactly does that mean? What's the svara? So the whole point is, is that if she did it, we want her to admit it. That's the whole point. We want her, this whole thing is an intimidation process. The Mishnah in Sota describes all of that. The, all of this, this whole drinking thing, it's not really the end game, right? The end game is that she should admit if she's guilty before she did it. She's not. We want her to drink it and prove her innocence. But we really, really want her to admit if she did it. So we don't want two sotas to drink at the same time because imagine one of them is innocent. So what's going to happen? She's not going to admit anything. She's meant, she's meant to drink it. But the guilty one is going to be like, hey, she's not admitting it. I'm not going to admit it. I'm not going to look like the, like the horrible one. Now, obviously, what's the obvious question on all this? Don't you know you're going to blow up, right? In other words, like, you don't want to look bad and therefore you're going to drink the water and know you die. Like, it sounds like very difficult, but... Maybe this is human nature at its depth. But al Kopadim, Chazal said, if you've got two sotas together, we're nervous that if one is innocent and she's not admitting, then the guilty one might not admit as well. So therefore, don't have them simultaneously done. If you don't, you're saying it's a whole svara. You're saying it's like a whole, a whole logic. It's not because of that. It's just because it's a din. It's a grammar of the Pasek. It says he should give her to drink which is her all alone. So basically, we're saying it's a drasha over there that you shouldn't do it. So now, what does that have to do with us? So the Pashup shot is that just as Rabbi Yehuda, it's arrived from Rabbi Yehuda, just as Rabbi Yehuda was saying, the Hishka is, is, is being specific. So do we say, Osa, that's being said by us, is specific and excludes the Kohen? Now, just to know what the Gemara and Sota says, the Gemara says that everybody agrees that Osa is, is, is a drasha, meaning what I'm trying to bring out is, isn't it really a machlokas tanom whether or not you darshan osa? Isn't that what just happened? The Tanakama did not darshan it. Was only, it was only Rabbi Yudah who darshan it. So how come we're so confident pulling it over here if over there it's a dispute? So the Gemara and Sota explains, you need to know this to make sense of this, is that, is that really everybody holds to the drasha of a hishka that you shouldn't give two sotas simultaneously. The question just is, are you dorish taima dekra 
or you're not Torah's time in the Quran. The Tanakhama holds, you look at the din through your own understanding. This is like Rib Shimon type of thing. Where yes, it don't give two sotas at the same time. The Tanakhama says the only reason why is because we're scared that the guilty one won't admit about the innocent one. And if that reason is not applicable, the Gemara is a whole thing. Let's say you're able to see that anyways, anyways, uh, she's not going to admit, you know, it's not like she's insecure at all. So then, uh, so then you could give two sotas to drink. Whereas Rabbi Yudah is saying, nah, stop giving all your logic. It's just a, a glatz. Don't infuse any logic into this. And therefore, even if you think the reason isn't applicable, it's still there. So that, there you go. You get that. But after all is said and done, everybody agrees that it, there, is a, there is a drush on Behishka that you don't give so, two sotos at the, same, uh, at the same time. So we're coming out. Osa is a drasha uh, over here. And therefore, you would not have two Maisafaras bundled into one. It would, not, it would not work. Now, does that mean it's ineffective? Like, or is it just it didn't, you shouldn't do it? It's like, it's like fascist over here. It's like it's... Like by, by Sota, you wouldn't say, would you say it doesn't work? Like you would have to do it again. It sounds hard, right? That, this is the din. It, it should be each one alone. Here we're saying, on myself, far should be alone. But what happens? Should I, do you have to go be Mayfair again? Or is it just saying, that's not the way to do it? Not so clear how it plays out. All right, let's see the Mishnah. Ayin, Gimel, Amid Beis, Bogaris. So let's just go over again one last point so we get a good introduction for the Mishnah. We know our parak as a Nara Hama Orasa. That means... We're talking about betrothal. Betrothal is Arison. Arison, the husband is not yet living. He's not yet intimate with his wife. But he's completely married to her. He's married. He's just not intimate yet. They're not living together. She's still living in her father's house. There we say it's a joint jurisdiction between the father and the husband. And if she makes a netter, and again, she's still under the age of 12 and a half where she's under her father's jurisdiction, it's joint. It's shared between the father and the husband. They're both made for in order for the netter to go away. That's the parak. Now we're going to be learning about... A scenario of a bogaris. A bogaris is over 12 and a half. Once a girl turns 12 and a half, she's out of her father's jurisdiction, right? 12 and a half, the father has no shlit over her. So here she's an arusa. She gets betrothed, but, but uh, she's again not completely living with her husband. And the question is, could her husband be made for a nidar? So, 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 so right, let's, just, let's just bring out the point here for a second. He, he's, the father has, no, has nothing to contribute here. It's just the husband alone. And just the husband alone. So, so L'chaira, he could only be made for Nadarim at what point? What point in Isha's could it happen? When he's living together, meaning when they're intimate with one another. That's the Pashtas. The Pashtas is that Afaras Nadarim comes from the Isha's of the intimacy, of after the Chuppah, of the, of the closeness that comes from Nesuit. Our Mishnah is going to introduce that there is a way possibly that could happen before the chuppah as well. But don't get confused. The reason I'm just, I'm just fleshing this point out is because don't get confused from our whole parak. All our parak of Nara Marasa where the husband is being made for is that he's being made for a Nara under the age of 12 and a half where she has a joint jurisdiction together with the father. There he's doing it with the father. It's even before, before Nesuit. That's clear. Here we're talking about the father's out of the picture. She's a Bulgaris. There's no, there's no joint jurisdiction. So now really essentially what would Allah be? You need the Nesuit to have the ability to be made for the Nidharm. Our Mishra is going to explore, could there be a scenario before the Nisuin where you can be made for as well? So the Mishra says, Bogaris was waited 12 months. Waited 12 months means that after the Arison, if one of the parties makes a claim, let's get married already. Like, what's going on? Why, why, why is there no wedding, right? Let's set a date. So based and sets a date for 12 months away, and then they're expected to get married by that point. Like it's a real claim because when you commit an Arison, Arison is, is not only becoming married, it's a commitment to Nizuin. So if one party claims, okay, how much, how much time does it take to prepare for a wedding already? So after 12 months, he's expected to, to have done the wedding. The Alman or or widow, is 30 days because there, there she is, you need less preparation. So I'll go him. When the time for the wedding has come, so Rabbi Lazar Omar, at that point, maybe you remember this from Ksubis, 
the husband has to support her, meaning the chiyav of, 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 of giving, uh, giving her mizonos, supporting her, really kicks in only after nesuit. Essentially, it comes in only after they're living together. But Chazal said, once the time came that he now has to marry her, even if he didn't follow through, for whatever negligence it was, and they didn't get married, but since it's the zman that he has to marry her, so therefore we say that, that, that there's a chiyav of mizonos already at that point. He feeds her. So Rabbi Lezer says, once the husband has to support her, yafer, then he has the ability to be made for her in a dharma as well. Rabbi Lezer is saying a really interesting thing, a really interesting thing that mizonos and nidharm go together. So once he, he, he has to support her, he can be made for the nidharm as well. And we'll see in the Gemara the depth of that. No, 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 no. Husband cannot be made for Nidharm alone without the father unless she completely enters his jurisdiction, meaning that is after the chuppah. Pre-chuppah, even though you, he's supporting her, he has no ability to be made for the Nidharm. So what's the dispute? It seems like the dispute is, initially, whether or not this din of Hagazman, that once it's this man from the Nisuin, do we treat the woman as being post-Nisuin? Everybody agrees he's meant to support her. But is that just like a, 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 a specific point in support? Or does that really reflect on a broader point, which is that once the Zman and the Nisuin comes, we, we view her now as a married woman completely. So the Gemara says, it sounds like that's a dispute. We're going to relate what Rabbi Lazar said in our Mishnah with the Mishnah Rishona in Ksubas. So meaning, just like Rabbi Lazar in our Mishnah is treating a woman who has the Agazman, the time for her wedding has come. He's treating it as a broader married woman. It's not just the husband has to support her, but that reflects that she's really has a din in halacha, like in a suah. That's just like something that the Mishnah and Suba says. It's not. The Mishnah says, no, it's in the Lubisulashnevasarkhodishafanasma. So we say that the Basula has 12 months. When the, once the, the demand went out for Nizuin, she has 12 months to provide for herself all the provisions, makeups, cosmetics that she needs for the wedding. If the 20 to 12 months come and the husband is negligent, he doesn't marry her. She starts getting supported from his food. Right, she's supported to, to she, she, she is entitled to his support. If the husband is a Kohen, she can eat truma. So let's understand this a little bit better. The wife of a Kohen can eat truma. The Pasuk says, Kenyan Kaspo. What does Kenyan Kaspo mean? So the Kamarin Suba says, essentially, Kenyan Kaspo means a woman even after Arison. Really, you should be allowed to eat right away as soon as the Kedushan happens. But the Midrabana, they said, not until you're living together. The reason is, is because she's still living with her father, who's not a Kohen, and she's eating truma. Her dad might come and snack on what she's eating. Her dad's not a Kohen. So the rabbi said, no eating until you move in with your husband. No eating until after the chuppah. So here we're saying, but if it became the zman for the nesuit, it was the time that she was meant to get married. Even though she, the husband was negligent and didn't marry, she's allowed not only to get supported from him, but even to eat his truma, which is a big novelty because she's still practically at home with her dad. So the Mishnah says, well, maybe he doesn't send the, home, he doesn't send the food home because he, he's nervous that the dad will take some of the food. He's, he's cheap. So he makes her like, go take it from a specific place where she eats alone. So it's not less likely that the trouble will be eaten by a non-coin. Bottom line is she could eat coin. A yavam does not give a yavama the right to eat truma. Meaning in the yavam scenario where a woman is awaiting yavam from a yavam and the yavam is a coin, the, the, the one awaiting yavam is not entitled to eat truma. And we now illustrate that. Let's say she had six months preparing for a potential chuppah from her husband and then six months before Yibam happened. Even if it was all the days but missing one, or all the days in front of the oven missing one, and all these scenarios, she doesn't eat truma. The point that we're saying is, is that you don't eat truma unless 
do you have already be, been eating truma before? So if you'd already been eating truma before while she was married to the brother, the deceased brother, then it sounds like she could continue to eat. But if she hadn't been eating and now she's just awaiting yibum, so, so we, don't, we don't allow her to, um, to eat the truma. Okay. Zu Mishnah This concept that you could eat truma once, it, once the zman from the wedding came, it's not just that the Kohen has to support her, but that we treat her in a broader way like a married woman and she could have, even have truma. That's only the Mishnah Rishonah. Based in Shah Ram, but a later court came along and says, no, we uproot that law. Even if at the time for the Nisuin came, she cannot eat Jumma until she enters the Chuppah. Meaning, we dispute the fact that having the Mizonos now allows you to eat the Jumma as well. We say, no, it's true that the husband has to support her once he's negligent in taking her for the wedding. But after all is said and done, eating Jumma cannot happen until later. Eating truma cannot happen until post the chuppah. I don't want to remember the reason. So the Gemara Subas, we learned this. The Gemara Subas says like this, that there's another reason why we're concerned to give her truma. Every single Ayerson might retroactively be a Mekachtas because there are certain inner blemishes, maybe things that she hasn't disclosed that will not be discovered until the wedding night, until they're actually intimate with one another. So we're nervous to let her eat truma because we're not confident that this marriage actually exists because until they're intimate with one another, maybe there's something she's hiding and, and it really retroactively they're not married. So that was another reason why the why, why even if we're saying she could be supported, but but we were nervous, we we're reluctant to eat, allow her to eat truma before they have actually had the chuppah and the closeness with one another. So now look at what the gemara is doing. This is a hard a hard comparison. The gemara is drawing broad strokes here. In our mishnah, we have a machalikas rabbi lezer and the rabbanon. If after the agazman, after the allotted time for the nisuin is up and he has to support her, then could he be made for her nadarim? Rabbi Lezer is saying yes. Rabbi Lezer is saying once we support her, we view her like a fully married woman. It's as if it's post the chuppah. So he can be made for the nadarim. The Mishnah Rishona in Ksubis was saying, a woman can eat truma once the time for Agazman is here. Because we, 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 we say that once he has to support her, also it's like it's post Nesuin. So Rabbi Lezer and the Mishnah Rishona are the same shita. That's the point in the Gemara. But the problem with the Gemara is that if you really break down each, each area of halacha, they're completely different. Over there, remember, what's the issue? Midarai says she could eat as soon as she was Arusa. The question is, is she going to feed her brother and father? Or is it going to be disclosed that she was never married? That's what we're working with, like those types of concerns. Over here, we, we're not dealing with that. We're just trying to figure out how far is Adarim comes to the right of, of Nesuin. So is she in Nesuah? It's, it's hard to see how it's the same. I guess in broad strokes, both of the points are dinim that come practically from after the Nisuin. And we're saying, do we view a woman from after the time of Agazman as, as if it's post-Nisuin? But it's difficult to, to see how it's broad when it's really each, each issue is so specific. It's a little bit what the Gemara answers. The Gemara says back, Maybe what you're saying, Rabbi Lazar and the original Mishnah, they're right, are not the same point. Over there, remember, it's only an issue of Durabonat. Why is it only an issue of Durabonat? Because the Torah says a coin's Kinyan Kaspo, which means as soon as Kedushin was done, as soon as he gave the money, that's Kinyan Kaspo. So as soon as there's Ayrson, she has the total right to eat the Truma. So the whole thing of waiting till after the Nesuin is a Durabonat. So if it's a Durabonat, so maybe that's why we were lenient and we said that she could eat as soon as the, as soon as the Agazman is there, even though it's pre-Nesuin itself. Avonadarm Daraisa. Here we're dealing with the din of Daraisa. The din of Daraisa, the, the Isha needs post Nesuin. So I would say that there's no way to say that since the time for Nesuin has come, that he's able Midaraisa to be made for her Nadarm. I mean, bottom line is it's not Nesuin. So therefore, I need our, uh, I need, it's possible to say that the Mishnah Rishonah wouldn't agree to Rabbi Lazar. 
what is taka pshat of Rebbe Lezer, right? How do we understand Rebbe Lezer? How is this? Because he's supposed to marry her, it's as if they're married, even on a Darius level. How does that work? So the Mar now comes back, and it comes back the other way. Maybe the opposite. Rebbe Lezer only said is Allah Abba Nidar. The explanation of Rebbe Lezer is based upon a svara of Rebbe Pinchas. When a woman takes a vow, she is kind of like nullifying her das to a certain degree to the will of her husband. It's a very interesting thing. It's not, it's not, it's not Stam, the Torah says a husband can be made for the Dharma of a wife. It's based upon a svara. The svara is that she is not eating her own bread. She's under his domain in the sense that he's supporting her and taking care of her. Therefore, her nadar, again, the nadarim that impact him in the relationship or that afflict her. Remember, it's not any type of nadarim that he could be made for. The nadarim of inoy nefesh or dvarim shepeinu They impact him or the ones that afflict her. But those types of nadarim, she assumes that she is submissive to a certain degree to whether or not he approves. That's why the Torah says that he can annul the nether. It's not just like a random thing. She actually is thinking that when she's making the nether to a certain degree, she is thinking that it's only going to be if my, if my, husband, if my husband approves of it. So therefore, and now we're understanding like this. Once it's based upon that logic and not just a random din that a husband can be made for the nether, we could say once he has to support her, then she starts thinking about his das, even though they're technically before the chuppah. Is that the magic of the chuppah that gives him the power to be made for the nadarim? The idea is normally after the chuppah, he's supporting her. She, 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 she submissively bows her mind to whether he will approve of it. But that could kick in pre-chuppah as well, as long as he's supporting her. Meaning, it's a trigger, it's a catalyst. The catalyst in front of us is the fact that he's supporting her. So once the chi of Mazonus is there, it follows naturally that there should be a din that her, her das is totally in his das, and therefore he has a koach hafara. That's where Abel Lazar is coming from. It's very unique to Nadarim because of this far that the koach hafara of the husband is based upon kol nadaris adas baile nadaris. Truma let it only be a din but it depends on nisuin. So if it depends on nisuin, the ma'isa they're not they're not post the chuppah. We gotta wait for the chuppah for her to eat. If it's still if it's still pre the chuppah, then she can't eat even though he has to support her.